0: original church, Acts 3. I want to start with some audience participation. Yes. This isn't just you sat listening to me for the next however long. No, we're going to get joining in. Um, I would like you to finish this common expression, please. Stop in the name of... Have a chat. Have a chat. Have a chat. Don't shout out where do you think you are. Have a chat with the person next to you. How would you finish? Stop in the name of... You're very obedient. Okay, the two that I came out with and I'm so glad they were shouted out. Well done, You're, in my class, you'd now be missing break time. But anyway, um, no, I'm joking. It's good to have a bit of back and forth, isn't it? Stop in the name of, the first one I thought of when I, uh, stop in the name of love. Diana Ross and the Supremes. I think somebody even over there began to sing it. Wonderful, thank you. Stop in the name of love. And the other one, which was Mr. Graves, there, stop. In the name of the law, which isn't said anymore outside of an 80s police drama, I think, but I'd like to think they still do shout that at criminals to what effect, I don't know. Um, but the passage today, just as I was preparing, the, that, that kind of, that image of, of that, that command being given um, came up. So I'm going to read the Acts 3 passage. It's on the screen. So it's, it's Acts 3, and I'm reading verses 1 to 16. held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, The God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. You see, the disciples are stopped in the name of love. Yes. (laughs) See, see? They demonstrated to the man that they had something for him that was more than money. And they pronounced healing in the name of Jesus. And that's better than stopping in the name of the law. Okay, enough cheesy. Uh, get on past that bit. But what's going on here? You've got this, you've got this man who Peter and John come across. He's been paralysed from birth. He's of low social standing. He is carried and put outside this beautiful gate Every day, And the beautiful gate apparently only appears in this one passage of Scripture. It's quite incredible. Uh, the historians think it might be called the Golden Gate. Don't know. Look into it if you want. But I like that, that. This is the only place where it's mentioned. But still, this man is outside of the temple courts. He isn't worthy to go in. He isn't able to go in. And I can imagine he's probably asked every single person who's passed every day to help him. For money, for gold, for silver. And he's become invisible. He's become invisible to most people who pass. And here, as I was writing this and thinking about this, I had that pang of this is still happening. You know, we walk through the streets of Cardiff, and there are people who sit on outside shops and street corners, and we pass them. And, and I know I, I, I have that, and we can't stop forever. In, or we could get into a whole justice thing there, which I think we need to at some point. That, Seeing what Peter and John do here is different. You see, this man was probably, I'm going to assume, he was probably feeling quite hopeless. The day in, day out, he's there scrabbling for coins. He knows where he is. He knows who he is. And then Peter saw him and he actually saw him. He looked straight at him. And this man must have felt hope, that spark of hope. He's going to get some money. Somebody's noticed him. And then there's the twist in the story. Peter says, I haven't got any money. Look at me. <laughs> and Annabelle explained, you know, when the, the disciples, the, the followers, they were creating, they gave everything to They shared everything. They gave away to those who needed it. They didn't have anything. This wasn't a, a richness. But what's it called? The, the, the ministry of having everything. It was, they had nothing. Thank you very much prosperity. I couldn't think of the word because it's not, it's something I understand. But he says to him, what I do have, I want to give you. And he makes this pronouncement, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then he grabs him by the hand. And he helps him up. But as you read it, there's no hesitation. There's no pronouncement, walk, and then let's wait, see how your legs feel. Do you, do you think you can stand? He grabs him and picks him up. I was astounded reading I have, how of times I've read this, but... There's no hesitation. Peter has this faith in God. He's seen Jesus do stuff. He's been watching Jesus do these healings. He's, you know, first-hand witness of some incredible stuff. And I would even say that Peter and John probably still on fire after Pentecost. They're still buzzing with the Holy Spirit. They're taking on the world. They are taking on changing lives one person at a time. Amazing. So they just grab him. Come on, get up. In the name of Jesus, walk. And then they go into the temple. On the prayer meeting on Thursday, um, on Zoom, we, we had a prayer meeting. And there was a time to share. And Rob Knowles, Dr. Rob Knowles, um, shared a bit from Chronicles, Second Chronicles, which is interesting. That you shared Second Chronicles. I think Second Chronicles might be something we need to look at, maybe later. Um, but 2 Chronicles 30, there's a passage that Rob shared. And he took a bit from verse 8 that says, Come into his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. And then explained a bit more about the, the situation that was going on. And then from verse 18, he says, Although most of the many people who came from all over the place had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover meal, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah, the king, prayed for them, saying, may the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even if they are not clean, according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Rob shared this as his message, as his thought during the prayer time. He had been chatting with God, and this is what he came up with. And the invitation that Rob challenged us with and said, you know, this is what he believed God was saying, was come, come in whatever state you're in. The people there entered the sanctuary, even if they weren't ceremonially clean. Gosh, that would have been shocking. They ate the Passover meal without going through the ritual stuff beforehand, and they were welcomed in. And the king prayed for them. And the people were healed. I love that that fits so nicely into what I was doing in my prep for this. Because Rob went on to say, you know, that this was a celebration. That these people were celebrating Passover as one of their celebrations. And here they were celebrating it in the sanctuary, in the temple, as part of God's kingdom. And Rob said, look, this is parallel. It links to the banquet that Jesus talked about, that wedding banquet, the feast, where... The guests are invited, but they reject the invitation. So he says, okay, let's invite everyone else. Let's go out into the streets. Let's go to the fields and invite the lowly and the poor. And those people who weren't invited, who weren't considered, they are invited. And there's deeper stuff there about Israel. But for this, it's this paralyzed man being invited in. He's no longer outside the temple gates, sat there unable to. He is able to stand up physically now. And he's coming in to be part of God's sanctuary in the temple. And there's that wider invitation to us to come in. Come in in whatever state you're in. You don't have to be polished to come into church. You don't have to be polished to sit in front of God. Come in whatever whatever state you're in. And then we will encounter people. I I love Alpha. I love Alpha. Um... Alpha's reason I'm married. It's not the reason. Jesus is the reason I'm married. Alpha helped because Claire turned up. Um, I love Alpha. It's an opportunity to share this message of Jesus with people who need to hear it. I'm very challenged by what Annabelle said about inviting somebody. And I've got somebody in my head. And I'm going to need some prayer on that. So I'll be turning to people about that. But um, it's excellent to be able to share this and say to people, no, don't put on your Sunday best to come. You don't have to be perfect to come. Come as you are, come in whatever state you're in. I love that bit at the beginning of the passage that Rob directed us to was that the temple is consecrated forever. And if you remember, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus chooses to dwell in us when we accept him as Lord and Savior. We are where the Holy Spirit dwells. We are consecrated forever. I love that, that image of the temple and the people. And we are able to bring that healing in Jesus' name because of this. That's that's the link. Okay, so why was this healing? Why, why, Why is healing in this so important? Why is there such a focus? Well, healing around the time of the early church was really, really important, obviously. It's how we get through life. We get better. But at the time, contemporary around the early church, the Greek schools of medicine were really popular, Plato and Hippocrates. I've been practicing that one. Hippocrates, sorry, Rachel, I'll let you. Plato and Hippocrates were the the minds, the big thinkers, getting the medical profession going at this time. We have doctors, we have a medical profession now, because of that early, the Greek schools of thought. But also there was this religious aspect to it as well. You had the god Asclepios, who was this, sorry, the healer god, the god who people would bring to, to get healing. They would come with their ailments, come to the Greek god Asclepios for healing, and they would bring gifts for the priests. And that was important, because if you didn't bring a, if you didn't bring a gift, the cure could be revoked. That's the way to do religion. Anyway, sorry, sceptical. Um, the function of religion, therefore, a big function of religion was to heal disease was to come if you were hurting, come if you needed it. And in all of this place, you had the, the religious and, and the medical and it coming together in this time around this early church forming. Therefore, a new religion that had miraculous signs and, and healing going on had credentials. The healings of Jesus mattered in his ministry. The healings of the, the disciples following this mattered. The contemporary healers, so these Greek-believing healers who worshipped the many gods, they called on the name of powerful spirits, and they cast charms, and they had these strange formulas for healing. Whereas the Christians stood out because they only needed one name, and that was Jesus. The healing that they commanded was in the name of the risen Jesus. Jesus. Now, the Jewish church around here was a little less interested in the miraculous deeds. It happened and it was great, but theirs was more about the words and the teaching. You can see that in the Gospel of Mark. Mark's Gospel is written for the Gentiles, and it's a lot of the healings and the, the healing miraculous ministries there in, in the Gospel of Mark, rather than the teaching of Jesus, which you'll find in the other Gospels. And Christianity, through these Healings, through this, this miraculous ministry, was proving itself capable of standing up and ministering in this Greco-Roman world where, where all of this was going on and very popular. Christianity was showing itself as able to, to hold its own. So in the passage, Peter doesn't need to do anything other than speak the name of Jesus. And there was healing. He had that faith. His actions were so different to these other religious ways, the other things that were going on. He takes that attention from himself and directs it to God. He speaks with the authority of Jesus. He doesn't need anyone else. He he speaks authority of Jesus, not himself, not any other power, but Jesus. And then when the people are are praising and worshipping and the people are catching this... He sends the glory back to God. It's amazing. And it's infectious. Because the people inside start praising God. They start praising God for this healing because they knew the guy who was outside. They had passed him every day. He wasn't invisible, remember. But now they see him in the temple, within themselves. So, Peter, being the the Peter that we, we know and love, takes the opportunity to highlight their lack of faith. That bit in the passage where he says all those things, he points out their error in condemning and and murdering the author of life. Gosh, he really takes it to them. In that passage, he reminds them of those heroes of faith, Abraham and Isaac. But he's directing it all the glory back to God the whole time. And this outburst, Peter's outburst, it draws the attention of the authorities in the temple who pull him and John before the Sanhedrin. And that's going to be looked at later. I'm not going to go down that route. But it gets them noticed. And over the past weeks, we've heard how this church, this little church that was a new thing, was growing. Growing in numbers. 3,000 added that day. And they were growing together as a community, sharing and, and being there for each other. They were growing. And they were following Jesus' instructions The whole time they had Jesus' directive there, doing what they knew Jesus wanted them to do. There for the people, but sharing life with each other. Mark Fairweather, when he stood here at Big Woody a while back, he encouraged us to do this, to be like that early church. That was the point. To be like them, to grow together. To grow in number, of course, but to grow together. And he remember the 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 three examples. If you don't go back and find it, if you missed that one, go back and find it. It was a cracking sermon because he explained about expanding the boundaries of Woody. That this is amazing. This church we've got is fantastic. Is it what God wants? Because he said God wants to expand the boundaries of Woody. And I believe as we do this, that we will encounter more and more people sitting outside our beautiful gate. We haven't got a beautiful gate. We've got a grubby door. But we've got those beautiful gates. Are we waiting for them to come in? Because as he was saying, we speak a different language. People out there don't know they're invited in unless they're invited in. Alpha, guys, get on Alpha. Um, We need to be faith-filled. We need to offer what we know and what we love. We need to offer Jesus to them. We don't have pockets full of money to throw at people. We have Jesus to offer them. And that's the best we have. I've been to The Gathering a few times. It's the, the, Christi, the Christian Vision for Men, is the, the men's conference. It's been on a bit of a hold for the last two years, but it's a, a, a mission ministry that's been going on for many years. But they have this thing called The Gathering yearly in a field near Swindon. And the times I've been are loaded with amazing testimonies of what God has done in the lives of really, really broken men mainly, but people, the families around these men. And it's, it's incredible to hear it. I recommend you talk to somebody who has been, I know that Justin and Gary are just, I'm looking around, talk to somebody who you think may have been, I'm happy to talk, about the different testimonies, what men have said God has done in their lives, because somebody introduced them to Jesus. Because they found Jesus in a dark, broken place, and their lives were changed. Some of them is about physical healing—that they were healed physically—and then that turned into a relationship with Jesus, like our man outside the beautiful gate. And we recognise that that physical healing is so important for all of the reasons we've said, because of the miraculous, because of the faith building. But it's also about more than just that emotional healing. Sorry, physical, I'm really reading my next line. More than just the physical healing. It is about emotional healing, the emotional pain that that we feel. We're humans, we get emotionally hurt. It could be psychological trauma. The things that have happened that psychologically have damaged us. And then, of course, there's the spiritual hurt, just to name three, emotional Psychological and spiritual on top of the physical hurts. But we believe, as Woody, we believe that God is in the business of whole restoration. That that whole person, that everything you are, is so important. And I can imagine, actually, that there are people here, sitting here today, watching down the end of a camera, who need that touch. There are some people here who who need that healing. I want to take us into a time in a minute. We've got time to, to step out in faith and to, to spend some time with Father God and to come to him in a place of healing. I'd like you, as, as Luke has already said, to, we're going to have some time to, to just come and, and see if there's anything that God wants to reveal with you, to spend some time incredible that Luke and I planned differently but had the same thing that I've got written here to to seek forgiveness to come before God and say is there something I need to seek forgiveness or to provide forgiveness to somebody and then also to accept it it's so important that we know God heals we know that God brings us into relationship and to accept that forgiveness is important because the name of Jesus is powerful we can do that So we're going to make space for healing here. And we know that that God hears our prayers. We've done lots about teaching about prayer. And in the name of Jesus, that amazing name of Jesus, we can bring the needs of others.